Welcome to MMA Roadshow, episode number 295. My name is John Morgan, and Cole Coffee is not with me this week. He is back home in Las Vegas. Meanwhile, I am here in Mount Laurel, New Jersey, sitting here in my hotel room, pulling a solo mission here at the Aloft Hotels, looking out over the, uh, you know, kind of the sun setting here in the early Thursday afternoon slash evening before I head down the road a little bit to Philadelphia to do some work. I am uh, I am out here commentating on CFFC 88 and CFFC 89. Obviously, I uh, always enjoy coming out here and doing a little Cage Fury Fighting Championships work with my man CM Punk on the mic on UFC Fight Pass. We've already had one show in the books last night, CFFC 88. And by the time you end up listening to this, I imagine CFFC 89 will be in the books as well. So if you don't catch it live, uh, be sure and go check it out on, uh, on UFC Fight Pass. CFFC 88 was a fun show again last night. I uh, had some exciting fights, some exciting finishes, some upsets, some good stories. Um, so definitely worth checking out if you didn't get a get a chance to. We always have a we always have a good time at CFFC, man. I really do enjoy working with CM Punk, man. Gotten to know him uh, fairly well over the last couple of months of working together, and uh, man, he is uh, just just passionate about the MMA game and uh, fun to work with, man. He's a, he's a good dude. So uh, always enjoy doing that. Now. I say it's a crazy week for me personally. You know, I was at Contender Series on Tuesday night, went to the airport, flew overnight to get here on Wednesday, commentating CFFC 88 on Wednesday night. Now I'll do to CFFC 89 tonight, Thursday night. I'll fly home Friday morning. I'm going to miss the weigh-ins for USC 255, unfortunately. I won't make it back in time. Uh, but on Saturday morning, I will quarantine at the uh, at the hotel, and then I'll be inside the USC Apex for USC 255. So we'll have full coverage, of course, at MMA Junkie of 255. And, of course, we'll have the NF over at Patreon.com slash the MMA Roadshow if you're not a part of it already. Get over there and get signed up. Do it. Help us out a little bit. $3 a month. Come on. What does that put you out? That's nothing. $3 a month. <laughs> but anyway, we'll have full coverage. Now, Cold Coffee, of course, has stayed back in Las Vegas, so uh, MMA Junkie does have all the coverage of the, the virtual media day. If you want to check out any of that stuff, the weigh-ins will have uh, gallery, video, all that good stuff. So all that stuff will be there, uh, and I'll be there for USC 255. So it's crazy, man. Uh, I mean, I, I'm a lucky guy, man. I'll just put it that. It's, it's, it's an insane week, but, I mean, how cool is it to be at four different fight cards in a single week? You know what I mean? And And to do it for work. Uh, man, I, I, uh, you know, it's crazy. It's been, it's been a nutty week, nonstop running, but man, how fortunate is that? Contender Series, CFFC twice, and then USC 255. So a ton of fights this week for me personally, and uh, and I wouldn't ask for anything different. But it's crazy for uh, the sport as well. I don't know if you guys noticed this week, but Bellator will be taking place a little bit later this evening. I imagine by the time you listen to this, might already be in the books, and it's a fantastic one. Darren Caldwell versus A.J. McKee, man. I love that fight, featherweight Grand Prix semifinal. Uh, we'll find out the first uh, finalist there. Um, man, I, 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 I'm I, a huge fan of this fight. A.J. McKee is a kid that I've been watching since his, his second professional fight, I think. I was I was cage side for that in Temecula, California, and I think the kid's got something special. But Darren Caldwell 
is going to be an incredible test for him. So um, I'm, I'm I'm digging that fight. And, of course, you know, some other names in there. Benson Henderson against Jason Jackson is on there. Keith Lee versus Rafion Stotts, you know, fantastic fight there. J.J. Willis and the guy that I've become a, a fan of, you know, personally as much as just his his fighting as well. He's on the prelims there. Baby Slice is on there. So you got some, some fun fights. Our man Nolan King will be out there and bring full coverage of all that. Man, I had had a conversation with him. Nolan Nolan King is becoming the uh, the king of Uncasville. Man, he's been handling all these these fight sphere events. Uh, so shout out to Nolan King and the job that he's doing out there and making kind of the the weekly treks down. You know, I I, I help uh, write the schedule for everybody over at MMA Junkie, and I guess you know just because I've been so tuned into the UFC events uh in our backyard in Vegas that I hadn't really paid attention to how many events Bellator has been doing and scheduling but uh since I write the schedule like suddenly I realized like every week I'm writing the schedule where Nolan King's heading down to Uncasville and covering so man he's been doing a ton down in this fight sphere and getting a getting a real taste of life on the road and, and life in the bubble so uh anyway so you got Bellator going on we got a one championship event on Friday morning now it's it's a tape delayed event they've been tape delaying all their events and um I wouldn't say they've been hiding the fact that they've been tape delaying. And I know some people, some I saw some reports and some tweets and some stuff later, like, oh my gosh, and it was, uh, I can't believe these are tape delayed. They've been tape delaying them the whole time they've been back. Uh, these numbered events that one championship has been doing, if you notice, they'll call it, like this, this series right now is called Inside the Matrix 1, 2, 3, and 4. Um, basically what they've been doing is is hosting big events and then and then separating the content out a little bit. But it allows them to not have to be, to have weekly shows basically I mean it's a cost savings device in this time of, of COVID basically um, you know there's no tickets to sell there's there's you know cuts down their operational costs to do it all at once now they haven't been incredibly forthcoming about the fact that it's tape delayed but they haven't really been lying about it either they've they've just kind of been putting them out there and not really mentioning it but so you do have a one championship. So we got Bellator. We got one championship. We got Invicta, which we'll talk a little bit more about in a little bit. We got LFA. Uh, we've got uh, Ryzen has a show this weekend. We got Titan having a show. We got UFC having a show. Uh, I mean, it's just like everybody that could be in action is in action. So um, busy, busy week. I think everybody's trying to squeeze in a couple of events right before uh, the Thanksgiving break, basically. So it's it's a fun week to be an MMA fan in, in total. And, uh, you know, I've enjoyed it. Of course, like I said, we had Contender Series earlier in the week as well. So uh, I dig it, man. I, I know a lot of people complain about uh, oversaturation, but, uh, dude, I – put on fights every night man it gives people opportunities to try to make their way in the sport it gives a chance for fighters you know at all levels to kind of grow and 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 develop as a fighter and make some cash and uh listen i'll I'll watch a little bit every night no i'm I'm not gonna pay 60 bucks every night for a pay-per-view and and maybe i'm not gonna you know invest you know six hours like you would on a usc event but to catch a couple of featured fights here and there and you know see a couple names on the way up and that sort of thing i dig it man I'll take MMA every night of the week. Um, okay, we're going to talk about some of the MMA, but I did want to get to some things first. The lightweight division. Um, man, the lightweight division is 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 on fire right now. And, of course, it's all centering around Habib Nurmagomedov, right, and what's going on with him. But Conor McGregor returning as well in 2021 and, and all those things. So um, I want to do something a little bit different here. Um, I had a chance to speak with the boys at Submission Radio and always enjoy chatting with those guys. Um, and we talked about a lot of this stuff, and so I want to kind of 
go over some of that. I mean, those guys are, are, are always fun to chat with, and I got a chance to give uh, some of my opinions and thoughts on, on the things that are going on now. So I, I want to play a segment of this for you, and, of course, you can check out all of their content on all, all the usual places, iTunes, all that good stuff. They, they do video, so their YouTube channel um, it does great work there. They, they, they do a, a good job with all their videos and stuff, and um, if you want to check it out that way, you can do that. But here, here's, a, here's a segment that we talked about kind of what's going on with everything and, and focusing on especially some of the things going on at Lightweight. With UFC 255 this weekend, there's only one man who has the skill and the will to get the people excited for the card. The people's champ is in the house, the silky voice bandit. John Morgan, welcome back to Submission Radio. And John, I've noticed you've got all those figurines behind you. You've got that beautiful DC one. When's the John Morgan figurine coming out, man? Ah, oh, that's a great question. I got I got to get with the boys over at MMA Bobblehead and figure that out. You know, load them up in the blue shirt, maybe a little, maybe a little MacBook on the side, a little camera, something like that. We'll, we'll, we'll get it one of these days. One of these days. I'm thinking they take the Stone Cold Steve Austin one, uh, where he's got the two beers, and they just put your head on top of it, and then, <laughs> and then we're good to go. Job done. I mean, you think about it. Our physiques are really pretty much about the same anyway. So I mean, you just switch out the head, the beers there. I like it. I like where your head's at. It's like back in the day, Barbie would have the whole sets where you can get the Barbie kitchen and all that stuff. I never had any of it. I just saw it in the store. So John Morgan could have, you know, the John Morgan bar, the John Morgan travel kit, the John, you know, the John Morgan microphone. There's so many good accessories. It will be like Malibu Stacy all over again. <laughs> I've always thought about that. I want to be just like Malibu Stacy. I've always <laughs> thought that my whole life, and it's all it's coming true. Yep, yep. Uh, removable black leather vest, just like Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, <laughs> but somebody who isn't like Malibu Stacy, John, obviously before we talk UFC 255, we've got to look forward to UFC 256 because it's a card that, let's be honest, it is stronger than this weekend's fights, but it is still lacking star power department. Tony Ferguson has been voting vocal about getting on the card it seems like he wants to help the card out put some star power on there but what do you make of the radio silence between the ufc and himself and sort of you know the ufc actually booking him and, and announcing the fight and getting him on there against michael chandler I mean, listen, you never know exactly what's going on behind the scenes, right? And if you'll notice, USC President Dana White, you know, hasn't been coming to a lot of the press conferences lately. I mean, we've been doing twice a week when you consider contender series and the weekly events, and he, he really hasn't been showing up much. And um, honestly, I just think it's it's because he doesn't really like answering the I don't know, maybe, blah, blah, blah. He, he knows what questions we're going to ask. He knows that we're all curious about that stuff. So you never really know how close things are behind the scenes, but you're right. I mean, uh, Tony Ferguson is out there campaigning openly, and uh, man, I, I don't see why you wouldn't try to make that fight happen. I mean, I, I love the idea of him and Michael Chandler. Uh, I think it's, it, it makes a heck of a lot of sense, given that, you know, it still seems like we're doing Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier January 23rd. Now, you know, things may switch up a little bit. We'll see. Um, but I, I would love to see that fight come to fruition. Um, we'll just we'll just have to wait and see. It's kind of the frustrating thing about this year, and, and I've gotten used to it over time. It's just like, Man, you can be like two weeks out from a card and not really know exactly what's going on and what's mm. happening. Just the way the the way the system is now. But you know, it looks like we're getting back a little bit. I mean, right? We're getting like bout announcements for like February right now, which is a good thing. Um, I just think it's been such a, a a weird, wild world that we didn't know. And listen, 
I, I think the, the the results of the presidential election were important to the UFC as well. You know, there's a lot of rumblings behind the scene that, um, you know, had Trump been reelected, uh, you know, that he would really be pushing towards, you know, opening events back up. And, and that doesn't seem like um, that's the direction that the, that the Biden uh, camp is going to go in. So, um, you know, I think a lot of that all factored in. You know, are we going to have crowds? Or are we not? What are, you know, what are we going to be dealing with? And I think now that there's a little bit more understanding of what we're dealing with, I think now we'll start to get some resolution in some of these open questions. It's fascinating because uh, you have these pay-per-views coming up, UFC 255, UFC 256 to finish off the year, but not exactly the strongest cards. After what has been actually a pretty interesting year in the world of MMA with some crazy fights actually coming together. I'm curious though, John, do you think uh, we've seen Ferguson on the Khabib McGregor card before? It looked like a great spot for him just in case something happened to one of the guys in the main event. Do you think they might be holding out uh, to maybe put Tony on this Connor Dustin card? Just in case, you never know what's going to happen during these COVID times. Plus, Always great if he gets that win. You know, it's big for his what's next if he's on the same card as those guys too. Yeah, you know, I think that definitely factors in. I think the other thing that factors in is just getting a firm understanding of where Habib is. You know what I mean? Ali Abdelaziz is longtime manager, of course, you know, recently tweeted out 30 and 0. Uh, you know, seemed like kind of a hint that, hey, my guy's back. We're going to do this thing. But we don't know that for a fact yet. And, and I think they probably want a little bit of understanding of that. I, I, I love from the beginning that Dana White said, listen, we're not in a hurry to take the belt off Habib. You know what I mean? He's earned the right to take some time and figure things out. Um, it's clear they want to have him back. I mean, he's a, he's a global superstar star and, and, and it's understanding why they want to have him back um but but i think a lot of that depends because you know do, do, does does if, I, if we do tony and and uh and chandler for instance does that need to be for an interim title fight you know connor and dustin do we need to do that for an interim title fight or do we need to do it for a title fight you know undisputed title fight because if at that point by january 23rd if you know that habib is still in retirement boy it sure would be nice to wrap a belt around conor mcgregor right i mean uh, obviously a massive global superstar as well and anytime you can get championships involved as well that just kind of raises the stake so i just to me i get the idea that there's just kind of no reason to rush right now i think the ufc has gotten used to putting things together on short notice lately um and, and i think they want to really understand before they rush into anything i mean um, man, there's key financial decisions to be made right now. The UFC is doing fantastic. Um, but, man, this is still a very, very much, you know, of an unknown world in, in terms of what COVID has done to, you know, all all, all businesses uh, and not just sports, you know, all, all business industries. So um, I think there's just a desire not, you know, to make sure we've got all the facts, make sure we've got everything in front of us before we make any more decisions. I mean, that McGregor-Dustin fight, it's not that long away. When do you actually think they're going to make this announcement that this fight is actually happening? It's pretty crazy. A Conor McGregor fight, you know, you need that build-up. You need people to get excited. And also, January is a bit of a weird time because people are coming back from holidays. Um, they need to be aware there's a big fight happening. Yeah, I think so. And, and, and let's not forget, you have kind of the three-week break uh, from the UFC, which uh, in some ways is welcome. I think we're all ready for a weekend <laughs> off. Mm -hmm. uh, but on the other hand, you know, that's that's a time that you're not getting those built-in headlines where you're getting built-in coverage, right? Um, so I would think it, at the latest, you would want to have your announcement ready to go by the last pay-per-view, right? I mean, I think you'd want mm -hmm. it to be ready by UFC 256. You know, make the big announcement on 256. Then you get, you know, a little bit of holidays, but, uh, you know, you can run your commercials and your stuff. You know, you won't be on TV. You won't be on ESPN. But, you know, you can put all your your, your advertising and stuff in there with those other big bowl games, you know, playoff games, all, all that sort of thing. So, um, you know, I, I think you would want to do it by UFC 256 at the latest. Now, in terms of the stakes... 
that's interesting too, right? Because you just announced the fight and you announced that Conor McGregor is involved in it. You got yourself a hit, man. People are going to want to tune in. When do you need to announce what the stakes are in terms of mm. is it for a title fight? Is it for an undis- – you know, I-, I think you can do that a little bit later. I think you can wait till January to do that, and, you know, you could tie in something with Habib. So I don't think they're in much of a rush to do that. But I- I'd have to think by UFC 256 they'd want to start advertising for it. Although – they don't have to sell t- tickets. That's the that's the that's the biggest thing. You don't have to sell tickets anymore. So you know sometimes the lead up might not be as important as we think. Mm. So definitely, you believe that there won't be any people at this one. I know that uh, Cowboy Stadium apparently has been doing some capacity crowds where there's like a percentage or whatever. I don't know. Conor McGregor wanted to go there. You're you're of the belief that it'll just be sort of at the apex, like usual, um, like we've been watching regularly. The caveat would be unless we go to Abu Dhabi to do it. Um, if it's on Fight Island, they've got a brand new arena ready to go there. They were trying to get it open in time for Habib's fight, but they just couldn't get the construction wrapped up on it, and, and, and it wasn't completely done. And because of that, they couldn't hold events. But they've got a brand new Etihad arena, seats like 18,000 people, um, and, and the, the UAE government, um, was ready to try to start doing, uh, you know, some fans at that one. Now, obviously, it would be limited, like you said, um, but you know, they've they've been testing a vaccine over there. They've got all these um, testing procedures in place, and you know, they think they've got a system in place that'll work with the UFC's protocol to have fans. Um, and from what I've heard behind the scenes, uh, the Abu Dhabi government would absolutely love to have Conor McGregor fight in Abu Dhabi. I mean, you you understand this partnership, of course, is is all about marketing. Um, Abu Dhabi and the UAE as a tourist destination and everything they want to do they want to do premium they want to do big time they don't want to just do a little bit of a partnership you know they want to blow it out of the water and so I, I've heard that they would very much like to have Conor McGregor fight there um, in January now whether that happens or not I don't know whether or not they can pull this fans off thing I don't know but I know they're trying to make it happen so if it does it does I, I don't think in the United States it'll happen I just don't it just doesn't seem to be the way things are trending right now and in Dana White has made it clear too that you know he doesn't want to go to Cowboy Stadium and do it at 25% capacity I mean it sounds enticing I mean 25% capacity could still be like 25,000 people mm. you know what I mean it's crazy um, so it sounds enticing but I, I just don't think um, Dana is a fan of that visual of just kind of spacing out there and, and, and not looking at when they if, when they do that when they do Cowboy Stadium eventually at some point hopefully when they do a Allegiant Stadium which you got to think the brand new stadium here in Las Vegas that's got to be a destination at some point I mean I think they're going to want to have fans there like right now you know Allegiant Stadium here in, in Las Vegas the Raiders are playing in front of no fans you got that brand mm. new I, I believe it was a I, I want to say it was a, a billion dollar stadium maybe a little bit more. I think it, in fact I think it was like 1.9 billion all in Jeez. now that I remember it looks so um, cool and, and, and it does look really cool doesn't it yeah it's, it's a pretty cool addition to the strip but yeah I mean they're playing games with no fans in there so um I I really don't think it if it happens in the United States I don't think it happens with fans if it happens in Abu Dhabi then I think maybe there's some fans there. The Abu Dhabi factor could also be good because it could offset the, the you know, if there were not too many fans and not too many ticket sales, I imagine the Abu Dhabi government would be paying a lot of money just to get the UFC to bring Conor McGregor over to them. It would also be interesting because um, I wonder what the reception would be like for Conor. Like, Dustin's fought there before. I think he earned a lot of people's respect in Abu Dhabi, uh, even though he lost to Habib. And obviously, they're all massive Habib fans over there. So I wonder what reception Conor mm-hmm. would get 
Um, even though I'm sure people will be very excited to see him there regardless. But I wonder if he'd be kind of going into almost enemy territory. Um, and also with Tony Ferguson, I wonder if it's kind of helping the UFC to keep him available just in case they want that extra leverage to be like, hey, we'll give this fight to Tony. Don't you Don't you think that you're locked into this, whether they say that to Connor or, or Dustin? Um, but if <clears throat> Conor McGregor can go in there and beat Dustin, which is a massive, massive if, he obviously accepted a fight with uh, RDA over Twitter, as is customary. Conor McGregor basically accepts fights with anybody and everybody these days. What do you think the, the likely progression would be for him? Do you think RDA would make any sense? Or do you think the UFC would just see that as a fight and say, ah, you know, maybe too risky and not really much of a point? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I I like the call out from RDA, and listen, it, it made sense. I mean, the way he laid it out there, right? That we were either the only two real champions, you know, these interim champions, uh, they shouldn't count, and, and and I think it does make sense. And look, it's a fight that was supposed to happen, right? I mean, it's it's been lined up before, um, but I I just don't know. I don't see. I think I think RDA is is, and I mean, no disrespect to him whatsoever, but he's been away from the division too long. I think he's still got to come in and get another fight or two. So I mean, look, I do see scenarios in which it w- could happen. Um, but I don't see it being as the, the the primary scenario. And again, you know, a lot of that's going to factor into what Habib does as well. I mean, the UFC would absolutely love to put Connor and Habib back together. I mean, that is the absolute biggest fight they can make right now. I mean, maybe Adesanya Jones would end up being, you know, as big. But I just, man, when you think on a global scale of how to, how big those two fighters are, and Connor and Habib, and how they have, you know, separate fan bases and separate nations, and you know, backgrounds and and all these things. I mean, I. They're the two biggest stars in the in the sport right now, and so putting them back together would be huge. But you know, Habib's made it clear he doesn't really doesn't really want those headaches, and and he doesn't necessarily need them. So there's just and it's it's one of those things where I see scenarios in which it could happen where where Connor and RDA could meet next. But I don't know that it necessarily is the one that just sticks out at you. It's, yeah, this is this is the way we gotta go. You know what I mean? So um, I I like the call out. I don't know that it necessarily comes to fruition. If it does happen at the apex, though, oh man, imagine Conor McGregor walking out. of Because we all saw it with Anderson Silva, which we thought might have been his last fight. He came out, you know, no, no fans. You know, he came out first. Um, I mean, he came, yeah, he came out first, I believe. And it was so anticlimactic. It was so different to see him, you know, walking through the corridor, everyone going crazy, everyone loving the entrance music. So I'd love to see Conor McGregor coming out to his music. No, he's just walking around in silence, looking at nobody. And then throughout the fight, you could just hear everything they were going to say. It's actually quite interesting just to think about what that even looks like. And I wonder what he actually performs like in that environment. But anyway, we'll see what happens later and where that goes. Like I said, enjoy talking to those guys, and uh, I appreciate them allowing me to use that audio since we had a chance to, to talk a little bit about some of these things. Now, here's kind of what we know. Since since we've talked, uh, we, uh, things have developed this afternoon, right? We know now, the courtesy of the Mac Life, um, that everything is signed. I mean, we knew everything was heading in that direction. It was pretty much done. But we know now that Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier 2 is happening, January 23rd, USC 257. Um, all indications on this end, and, and I mean, look, I'll – I mean, look, I had a chance to ask Dana White about it as well. You heard him the other night at the Contender Series. Uh, he basically said, yeah, it's it's Abu Dhabi. Um, I, that's everything I've heard is it's basically the, it's done for Abu Dhabi. So we know January 23rd is happening in Abu Dhabi. We don't know um, if it's going to be a string of events or it's going to be a one-off or a two. Remember, we did, uh, we did four events in three weeks the first time we went to Abu Dhabi. We did five events in five weeks the last time. 
Um, five, five weeks is a long time, and I think everybody felt it. You know, Dana was there the whole time. Well, I say he was there the whole time. He left for a little while and took a little mini vacation to the Maldives in the middle of it. Uh, I, we did not quite get that same experience of leaving for the Maldives for a little bit. Uh, but I think even he was ready to get home after five weeks. So, you know, I, it, there's there's pros and cons to both, man. That that Wednesday event in the middle of the week, you know, I don't even know if, if ESPN wants any of those. Um, it does make you know the the week a little crazier. You don't really get to focus, you know, on on, on uh, the pre-fight, the post-fight quite as much because you're just immediately into another fight. But we'll see what they end up doing. But regardless of all that, we know January 23rd is going to happen there. Now here's here's what's getting interesting. Also on Tuesday night when I spoke with Dana White, he said he said to me, "Hey man." Uh, Habib's going to fight again. Now, we had seen Ali Abdelaziz tweet 30-0, right? We all know what that's in reference to. I think he's teasing out there, hey, my man's coming back. Don't worry about it. Habib's coming back. Tuesday night, talking to Dana White, and he's like, hey, nah, I'm pretty sure Habib's coming back. Pretty sure Habib's coming out. Now, this afternoon, and uh, I don't think coordinated uh, with the, the Conor McGregor announcement. I think, uh, you know, the Mac Life was working on that kind of independently, Um then, of course, everybody was kind of following up on the Dana White comments. But RT Sport, which is obviously a, a Russian outlet if you're not familiar with them, um, but they had a quote. And this is uh, a transcribed quote, so I apologize if it's not transcribed. It is transcribed. It's written down. But it's also translated, uh, so apologies if it's not exactly correct. But Habib basically said um, that, that he's not really ready to return as much as everybody thinks he is. He says, uh, you can fight until you're 40, but there should be a goal. I had a goal to reach the summit, and I got there. Further, I have no competitive interest. Next year, I will graduate. I'd like to build my, my thesis, do a master's course, excuse me, do a master's course, dedicate more time to studying. I've bought sheep. I tend to my farm. I'd like to develop in this field a little. I have the bull calves out to feed. I have cows. <laughs> All right, now the, the, the last part was a little bit interesting because I'll be honest, I had no idea Habib was taking any collegiate courses. I mean, I believe it. He's a very studious man. He's a uh, a man that's uh, you know in, interested in self betterment and all those things. So maybe it shouldn't shock me as much as as it did. Um, but I had no idea he was enrolled in. College. I have no idea what he's studying. We were actually kind of joking about it on the MMA Junkie Slack channel. Like, what's what's he uh, what's he studying? And I was like, in a strange twist of fate, it turns out he's studying Irish history. <laughs> Um, but who knows, you know, so I don't know where I stand on this. I mean, you know, if if Ali Abdelaziz is, is tweeting 30 and 0, if Dana White is saying, yeah, I feel pretty confident. Um, now Dana White's information may be coming completely from Ali Abdelaziz as well. So, um, I, you know, I doubt, I, I shouldn't say I doubt, but I don't know that they've had any conversations. I know that, um, you know, Dana and Habib, you know, I think they trade kind of Instagram direct messages sometimes. I don't know if they chat on the phone directly. Um, so I don't know where that intel is coming from. Will he come back? I'm still not 100% convinced. I'll be honest. I'm still not 100% convinced that, that Habib fights again. Um, it, it wouldn't shock me, but when you when you go back to Fight Island, you go back to that emotion that he was feeling, you go back to, you know, now we know the, the struggles that he had ahead of time in terms of, you know, what it took for him to – to get to fight night, and I don't just mean the emotional struggles of losing his father. I'm talking about the physical struggles that he faced as well. Um, now that we know all that was there, I just don't I don't know. I'm not saying it's impossible, but I'm not 100% convinced the way it seems a lot of people are that, yeah, he's definitely fighting again. I don't know. And, but here's what I take out of that quote, other than the fact that um, Habib has sheep now, <laughs> that he has cows. Um 
there should be a goal. That's the part that stands out to me. There should be a goal. I had a goal to reach the summit, and I got there. I don't know what it's going to take. And I hate to go back to the GSP thing because it seems like GSP, you know, is kind of not necessarily shown interest in that matchup either. And we know how Dana White doesn't necessarily – not that he doesn't want to deal with GSP, but I just think he feels frustrated that he got kind of fleeced a little bit last time out, uh, you know, saying that he would definitely defend that belt uh, when he beat Michael Bisping and then – that became untrue very quickly. And I don't know that Dana wants to, to deal with that again. Although, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I mean, you, you, what does it do? I mean, if it's for the belt, which, we, again, we don't know if GSP can go down to 155. But if, if it's for the belt, you're losing a champ one way or the other. It's either GSP or Tabib walking away. So it's, are you really in any worse scenario than you were before? I don't think so. And if it's not going to be at, at 155, then... Yeah, I mean, if it's at 170, then you're not even really screwing up any of your title pictures. You're basically just getting a massive pay-per-view that's, you know, a a non-title pay-per-view. Because, of course, that, you know, I mean, I guess you could do the the WBC thing and make up a belt, you know, the money belt or whatever. Uh, But, you know, the goat belt, I guess, or something, which I was going to get into the farming thing there. But, I mean, it would be cool, right? I mean, we made a BMF belt. Hell, we can make a GOAT belt for Habib and GSP, right? I mean, so anyway, I, what I'm saying is I'm not ruling out the possibility of GSP, even though it feels like Dana doesn't really want that, just because I think if Dana really sits down and thinks about it, thinks about the money this fight would generate versus how little it would impact things that are happening in other divisions, I don't see why you, 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 you wouldn't do it. Now, again, there's a lot of steps to get there. But what I'm saying is, I feel like it's got to be that kind of a fight. You know, afterwards, we're talking about for Habib, well, does Connor make sense? And Connor makes sense for money. I mean, Connor does make sense for money, of course. That's the biggest fight you can make in the sport right now. Habib Connor, yeah, I'll say it. Habib Connor would be bigger than Habib GSP, I believe. In the box office, I think Habib Connor is better than is it does better than Habib GSP. Even though you could sell the heck out of Habib GSP as this is the goat, or this is the greatest of all time. It's up for him. I'm sure ESPN would blow it up and 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 really market the heck out of it. And and uh, man, you'd have so much footage to go through and so many. You know, I mean, these are two legends of the sport. They don't move the needle like Connor. They don't move the needle like Connor. Um, Connor's just a different level, man. Biggest star in the history of the sport. Connor Habib together, it does more. But I, again, I don't think Habib cares about money, and I don't think that Habib cares about winning that fight again. I think he feels he did it comfortably the first time. Probably doesn't want the, to, to have to go through and live it because you know they're gonna. Sh- I mean, how many times are they gonna show that brawl footage? That's Habib's worst moment, right? It's the worst moment of his career. I mean, the one moment he screwed up, the, ah, the spotlight was on him. He could have walked out of there perfect, and, and he didn't. He, he had a horrible, horrible moment, snap judgment, lost his cool. I don't think he wants to deal with that. Could be wrong. It's going to be a lot of money. A lot of money that could do a lot of good in Dagestan, right? I mean, he's got community projects. Maybe maybe he could be convinced to do that, to say, listen, man, we know this is hassles. We know this is headaches. But think about the money this could generate that you could then do wonderful things in your community with. You could appeal to him like that, right? That might work. But I don't know. I don't know. Is that a goal? Like I said, if you sell him on the community project and what the money could do back in his, you know, back in his home country and 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 the things that you know they've already started to do with his father, yeah, 
Maybe that appeals to him. Because outside of that, I mean, no disrespect to Michael Chandler. I still think Tony Ferguson is a fight that would make sense. I mean, that's kind of the one guy that, that, that got away, you know, that just couldn't happen. And I still think there's something there. Now, now, now we're talking way down in terms of revenue generated, right? I mean, that would be – but, it, I mean, it would kind of close out a legacy, right? I mean, that's that, that one contender that everybody thought could beat you or at least give you problems, and, and you get that. I could, I could see that appealing to him. Again, you've got to get Habib motivated. You've got to – something's got to appeal to him. You, you, you can't just say – because then you start getting into Michael Chandler – um, you know, Charles Oliveira. I mean, whatever. You know what I mean? There's just fights that, you know, God bless Dan Hooker. You know, I love, I love me some Dan Hooker. Um, but but come on. You know what I mean? Like, no disrespect. But that's not going to get Habib to say, yeah, I got to come back for that. So I'm interested to see what happens there. Now, I go through all that. So what does that mean for the rest of the lightweight division? Well, you know, Michael Chandler said he's working on something else, but he did kind of come out and say, look, I'll fight you, Tony Ferguson, on January 23rd. Makes all the sense in the world, right? I mean, we're going to go over there to Fight Island. I mean, it seems a done deal. Why not bring all? Why not bring everybody? <laughs> you know what I mean? Bring the whole gang in case we do have a COVID test pop up, in case somebody does get injured and, you know, trip on a, on a, on a power cord on a TV set. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's just have all the ducks in a row because – you know, if you have if you have Connor and Dustin, but you end up with, you know, Chandler in there or Ferguson in there, it's, it's not bad. It's not bad, right? And and if if not, you got an awesome little you know main co-main in the same division, which I always like when you do big fights in the same division because it propels on the same night because it propels the division forward, right? So there you go. I think that makes sense. I, ho- I hope it happens. You know, we haven't had any news on that, but it just seems too logical not to do it, right? And here's the other thing is that by then, and I've been saying this, as I said there, and I've been, I've been saying it along with the submission radio guys, but I've been saying it since he walked away or since we started. You can you can make Conor McGregor for Dustin Poirier for the belt a week ahead of time. You know what I mean? And and I'm telling you, the USC would love – I think the USC would love to wrap a belt around uh, Conor McGregor. Not 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 to say that they're favoring him over Dustin Poirier. Of course, they have a lot of respect for Poirier. But just saying, he's already the most marketable guy. You put him in a title fight now, you know, that's even bigger. You know, those the, the, the shiny gold on the poster always does good things. So, I mean, you could make that for a title on January 16th. Ah, well, Habib, you know, we gave him – you know, we we gave him a couple of months. You know, we gave him three months, and he he still isn't budging. And you know, we didn't rush to take the belt off of him, but we still have to move forward. I said, that's easy. That's easy. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, I am happy to see Conor McGregor back. Um, I, you know, he's good for the sport. He's good for business. And the the other thing is, it sounds like, as I mentioned there with the Submission Radio Boys too, it sounds like this is going to be in Abu Dhabi, and I got to believe there's going to be fans present. And you know what? I'm kind of happy for that. I was, uh, you know, I, I was, I was gonna comment on there, but we, we cut it a little short. But uh, about the idea of Conor McGregor fighting in the apex, I'll be honest, I was not looking forward to that. <laughs> Some, something about a Conor McGregor fight is the energy, man, the energy that he brings to it. So they've got this big arena over in uh, in 
in Abu Dhabi. We we talked about if you listen to this program a lot, we we talked about it. This uh, Eddie Hot Arena that they were trying to get open ahead of, of Habib's last fight and it didn't get done in time. So now they'll have it for January. Um, my understanding is, you know, they're working on a system that will still be as safe as possible, you know, still bubbles in place and people will have to have negative tests to get in and the crowd will be limited and there will be ultra VIP tickets. You know, there's not going to be any $50 nosebleeds to get in. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're going to have to know somebody and it's going to cost you something. So um, it should be a spectacle, right? And that's what, that's why it's a perfect partnership. Conor McGregor wants to be a part of spectacles and Abu Dhabi wants to create spectacles. I mean, they, they want everything they do to be on a grand scale. So, I'm uh, <laughs> I'm anxious. I hope we're not there for five weeks, but I'm anxious to see what it is. It's gonna be gonna be wild, man. 2021 is gonna start wild. All right. Um, the other big news: Anderson Silva. How about this? It comes out uh, MMA fighting reports that Anderson Silva is is parted ways uh, with the UFC and he's moving on. And then TMZ Sports talks to Dana White and says, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa! That's not true. He's retired." We have no reason to think he'll fight again, but if he does, he's got to fight one more for us. Uh, this has kind of all been unfolding right before I sat down, uh, so I haven't had a chance to follow up on it. I apologize. I definitely will follow up with everybody. Um, but truth be told, I had to get in and get this recording done uh, because I got to I got to get to my job tonight to go commentate on on the uh, UFC Fight Pass. So um, I I tend to think. And we said it in the aftermath of Anderson Silva. I tend to believe the UFC would not let him just walk away. Um, I tend to believe that they would keep that one more fight on his deal. That way, he is not eligible to compete anywhere else in mixed martial arts. Now, he could probably negotiate some stuff to go box. Again, I still throw out that boxing Roy Jones Jr. I guess we'll have to wait and see what happens with Mike Tyson first. But you know, I could see Anderson Silva. You know, that he's long said he wanted that fight. I could see him trying to figure something out there. I don't see him competing in MMA again. Now, again, if he wants to legally push this, Anderson Silva has every right to go to the UFC and say, you have, you are contractually obligated to offer me a fight or you let me go, period. And they will legally have no recourse but to either give him a fight or let him go. Um, I think Dana White's made it clear he doesn't want to give him a fight. I'll be honest, I don't really want to see him fight again in the UFC. I just don't think there's any fights that you can give him that are appropriate, you know. Um, you know, outside of the UFC, yeah, he can take some fights that are, I mean, there's no easy fights in MMA, but yeah, some, some older guys. Um, you know, like Vitor Belfort always talks about, you know, a Legends League. You know, yeah, exactly. Somebody is like kind of his own age, if we're, if we're being honest. Um, maybe somebody that's a little bit diminished, that sort of thing. So, um We'll see. I, I I think that Anderson again. We, we, we talked about it with how much, the way he phrased everything. You know, this is my final UFC fight. That that final interview was great. Michael Bisping talking to him he was like, so just to say now, like what you what you said, you mean we will never see Anderson Silva fight again? And he was like, whoa 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 whoa! I didn't say that. <laughs> Hold up, I didn't go that far. Uh, so I think he made it pretty clear he, he plans on fighting again. Um, I just don't think it'll be a mixed martial arts contest because I don't think. I think he's got some respect for the UFC. Um, and and the flip side of that, too, I think it's twofold. Number one, I think he's got respect for the UFC, and him and Dana have worked together for a long time, and according to them, there was an agreement in place to not do it. But here's the other thing. I guarantee you the UFC pays him more than anybody else would. Um, 
the numbers that you see well, now we don't even see the numbers released to the public anymore um you know that law changed in, in nevada where that's no longer uh public record but the the numbers that we used to see on the pay reports i mean those were never even close to what he made he made way more behind the scenes um and i just don't think that you know is is bellator going to come out and break the bank for 45 year old anderson silva I don't think so, man. And then outside of Bellator, I mean, who else even has the money to pay? You know, if we're talking about multi-million dollar purses, I mean, who else can even afford multi-million dollar purses? So really, if he was insistent on fighting MMA again, if he said, no, I I have to do one more mixed martial arts contest or I'm not going to be satisfied, I think at that point you just legally push the UFC. Um, Of course, at that point they can simply release you and then you're no further ahead I guess so maybe that strategy doesn't work um you know I guess you, that's why that's why I just you're in kind of a hard place you know the UFC would be capable of paying you the most money they're obligated to pay you the most money but if you push it they can release you and then what do you get so I, that's that's why I just don't think it'll be a mixed martial arts contest but we'll see we'll see all right listen I said there's a lot going on um in on the schedule uh, of course, like I said, the Bellator event, I'll, I'll have to watch that on uh, on replay tonight because I will be working as well. Hopefully you check out CFFC 89 live, you know, I mean, even though this will be over. <laughs> um, but Friday night, Invicta FC 43. Um, yes, uh, of course, Invicta, fantastic organization, leading all women's promotion. They've done a great job of developing talent and supplying it to the UFC and getting talent to the next level. But they're doing something a little different this week. Kayla Harrison, the PFL lightweight champ, women's lightweight champ, um, is making her featherweight debut. So she's moving down to 145 pounds um, and, and fighting in what um, – what was announced as a one-off, but turns out it's not a one-off. <laughs> uh, why I get to all that is that I had a great conversation with Kayla Harrison that I wanted to share with you. Um, really uh, appreciated her time. Um, and, and I know, you know, this was kind of a delicate situation for her because, you know, she's still with the PFL, and she's got to go back to the PFL. And I think she was a little bit frustrated that she didn't get to compete in, 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 in 2020. Now, of course, the pandemic makes that a little bit out of their control in some ways, but I think she, she felt like frustrated nonetheless. Um, and luckily it got to this point. So, you know, I don't think she wants to make it a big deal. I don't think she wants to piss off her bosses because she knows she's got to go back there. I think she's happy that she's an Invicta, but I, I, you know, I still sense a little frustration that it took as long as it did to get her a fight. But nonetheless, she's here, and I'm excited about it. And I'm excited it's at 145 because you talk about, you know, division being a little thin at 145. It's really thin at 155. I mean, everybody had to move up to to face her, right? And and she's a she's always been a staunch opponent of weight cutting, and as she tells me too, you know the other thing is she just thinks there needs to be more weight classes for women. So I appreciate what she did in staying firm to her belief in competing at 155, and I appreciate PFL for 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 trusting her and believing in her and 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 offering 155 as well. You know, basically creating a tournament for her. But 145, there's so many more options, including, and it's a fantasy fight, but including Amanda Nunes. Uh, but anyway, I wanted you to, to hear this conversation. We talked about all that and more. Uh, here is uh, my talk with Kayla Harrison. 
All right, so it's PFL champion Kayla Harrison, but this week it is Invicta fighter Kayla Harrison. This is uh, this is pretty wild, right? I mean, kind of, to me anyway, it was like out of nowhere. You know, we thought you were going to be on the sidelines all year, and now it's fight week. So, I mean, how are you feeling right now? Yeah, I feel good. Um, you know, I told you guys at the beginning of the year I wasn't going to take a whole year off. There's just no way. You'd have to bury me to do that. And I mean it. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel good. I'm excited. I'm excited to be fighting just days away now, you know, after 11 months off is, um, it's been a long, long journey to get here, but I'm just excited to be stepping back inside a cage. No doubt. So, uh, let's talk about that. The time off, right? I mean, it's interesting because I often hear fighters say that, that the time you get better is when you're not like in fight camp, you know what I mean? When you're really just able to train, you're not getting ready for a specific opponent. Um, and, even though you're a champion, you are still relatively new to MMA. So I would imagine that like some time would be valuable. But at the same time, I know you also don't want to sit around and, and uh, you know, not be competing. So just talk to me about like the, the, the mental uh, approach to like how training has been, not knowing if you were going to have a fight or not. I mean, are you intense? Are you getting better? What, what was this past year like? Yeah, I mean, well, you know, first of all, I don't do camps, really. I just... Uh... I usually take a week off after each fight and then I get back in the gym because it's what I love. I, I'm where I, lo I want to be. I love American Top Team. I love going in there, talking shit, you know, hanging out with the guys, getting better every day at what I do. I love MMA. I learn something new every day. So um, it's no hardship for me to go in and, and train. You know, that's that's what I love to do. You also have to remember, I trained four years for one day. So 11 months, is a long time, but it's not a long time at this at the same time. It's you know, a blink of an eye in an Olympic cycle. <laughs> so, um, yeah. I feel like I've definitely gotten a lot better. You know, just focusing on me, my game, finding my holes, closing them up, um, not having the sh the stress of of having a fight and worrying about an opponent and someone across the cage from you has definitely. I've gotten a lot a lot, lot better. Um, at the same time, I'm the kind of person who needs a goal. So not having a goal, not having a fight has been mentally, it's been torture. Um, but I, in every other aspect, I feel like I've gotten better. I've used the time. I, um, I didn't, didn't uh, stray off course. You know, I've stayed focused. I've stayed ready, hoping that an opportunity would arise. And here it is. That's awesome. So it was one that kind of came out of left field for us, right? I'm sure you'd probably been working on it a little bit behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, so how ultimately did this all come about that, you know, I mean, I get it. PFL's on hold. We understand why they had to put aside their season. This is a crazy year for everybody. Um, but to, to step outside and go to another promotion, I mean, uh, how, does, how does that all come together? Have you been chasing after this or did it just kind of fall in your lap? What, what happened? Um, yeah, I mean, I basically just, you know, I talked to the, the higher ups. And I said, listen, I just can't, um, I'm not going to be happy with sitting on the sidelines for a whole year. Um, you know, I'm the type of fighter who needs to compete. I need to continue to get better. Like you said, I'm still very young in the sport. So that experience is invaluable. I said, it's going to be beneficial to both me and the PFL for me to go fight. And there was, um, it took a lot of work, a lot of work on everyone's part to get to, to get to this point. And, um, I'm thankful and grateful that it worked out. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it hasn't been that long. It's been long in the making, but 
not i mean i don't know it's hard i'm not (laughs) i hear you i hear you (laughs) no problem well listen so it's intriguing that you're going to be fighting outside of the organization for once uh but i'm really intrigued by 145 pounds right that's the part that really gets me excited now i know that, that you've often stood against hey the dangers of weight cutting and and you know i'm not a fan of this so Help help me understand where you said no. one forty five. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really not a fan of it. Um, no, listen, I just um, I had to make a tough choice. Either I was gonna fight this year or I wasn't. And if I was gonna fight, you know, no one wanted to take the fight at one fifty five. It was gonna have to be at one forty five. Um, and I still don't believe in weight cutting. I still think it sends a bad message to young kids, young fighters coming up. I still think it's super dangerous, but. Um, I had to make a sacrifice and I had to decide either I, I fight this year or I sit on the sidelines and I watch everybody else fight. So I've been dieting really hard. I've been very focused, very disciplined. I've gotten my weight down to about 153, 154. Um, so the weight cut's not going to be too, too tough, I hope, but we'll see. I haven't weighed 145 pounds since I was 16 years old. (laughs) (laughs) I am not looking forward to it, but. I was going to say something, but we're talking kind of lifestyle changes to get this point, right? I mean, is, is it is it something that you could maintain? Like, would you look at, I mean, if, if you feel good here, is it something that you could say, this is something I could do in the future, maybe even for a PFL season or or, or what? Are you are you thinking that far? Um, yeah, listen, of course, uh, one of the reasons I fought 155, there are multiple reasons. First, I'm hypoglycemic, so I have low blood sugar. Two, I don't believe in cutting weight. I don't want to send that message to people. I, I have, this is my belief. This is how I feel. I, and I'm very pig-headed and strong-headed, so it's going to take a lot to make me change my mind. Three, I feel like 150, there are not enough women's weight classes in MMA. I feel like 155 opens it up. Obviously, I can't open up a 105 or whatever, you know, so I'm going to, do what I can with what I've been given. I walk around about 160, 165. Um, and I just felt like this would be, it would be good, help grow the sport and also be beneficial to me to fight at 155. Um, having said that, I'm also in the business of Kayla Harrison and Kayla Harrison's probably going to have more opportunities at 145. Do I agree with it? No. Do I think it sucks? Yes. Am I willing to suck it up and do what it takes to be one of the best in the world? Yes. So if that means I don't get any Halloween candy, then I don't get any Halloween <laughs> I mean, it's terrible. It's a terrible way to live. I hate it. I think it's like, uh, you know, especially, and when I first started MMA, like, do you really want to be focusing every work on, on how much weight you're losing versus on how much better you're getting or the technique you're working on? Like, I think that's just, it's just a terrible existence, you know? And especially for kids, I'm always like, man, you're supposed to be enjoying your life. Like, this is supposed to be fun. You're supposed to love what you do. Like, you don't starve yourself and make yourself miserable. Like it's just, it's terrible. So now I'm a little bit older. I'm a little bit more, more mature. I'm wiser. I know how to do it properly. I'm, you know, not doing the good old fashioned starve yourself thing. And, um, I'm being a professional about it, but I'm not, I mean, it sucks. I mean, nobody wants like this. Who Who does this for? No, the people who like diet like this and like live their life, like, People who are not athletes who live like this, batshit crazy. I agree. I agree. That's why I don't do it. <laughs> do people do, do do people in judo cut weight? Is that is it a thing yeah. in judo or not? Yeah, no, all of my teammates and stuff cutted weight. I just um 
when I first moved to Boston with my judo coaches, I fought 63 kilos, which is like 138 or something like that. And uh, I was miserable. I was, you know, going to high school and trying to cut weight and training full time and working full time at a hardware store. And I just like, I had also overcoming a lot of stuff from my past. And I was just in a miserable existence. And they were like, listen, Kayla, if you're going to win, you're going to win at whatever weight you fight at. It doesn't matter. You know, you have to beat who's in front of you. It doesn't matter how big they are, how small they are. If you're the bigger one or like, you know, it's a, it's a mindset. And I drank that Kool-Aid. I truly believed that. I truly believed what my coaches said. I said, it doesn't matter what I weigh. It doesn't matter how big they are, how small I, you know, it matters about me going out there and performing. And so I moved up to 78 kilos and never cut weight and never looked back. And um, I became the best in the world by listening to that advice. And um, so I just, uh, yeah, I mean, I, that's still how I feel. You're going to win at whatever, you know, if you're going to win, you're going to win at whatever weight you fight. You don't have to kill yourself to go in and be the bigger person. Um, I do think that I am capable of making 145. Um, and I think I'm going to be a killer. I think it's going to be scary. See, that's the reason I ask. And this is a very selfish question, especially seeing how miserable you are right now making 145. But I wonder, without trying to create drama at American Top Team or anything like that, if there was a way down the line somehow, I don't know how it happened, for you. Day, but okay. Yeah, with you and Amanda Nunes, could it ever happen? Yeah, listen. Um, We've both had crazy years. She just had a baby. I just got two babies. I it's been, you know, it's been a heck of a year. Uh she's the goat. I'm a beginner. Um but she's who I'm chasing. Like I make, you know, she knows that. I know that. Everyone knows that. Like she's who I aspire to be like. She's that's that's the goal is to be the best ever. Um and right now I'm just focused on making 145, winning this fight, on to the next fight, on to the next fight, on to the next fight. But one step at a time, that's how that happens. And I think in the future, if, um, you know, the cards, I'm never going to say no, you know, like I wouldn't, I'm never going to say no to that opportunity. Um, I, I would do it with respect and the utmost um, pride in the, in being able to fight her. Uh, and I love Amanda. I think she's, I think she is awesome. I think she's a good person. I think she's a, gr a great fighter. I think sh she's, I don't know. I have nothing but good things to say about her. So if it happens, it's not going to be like a nasty, sh like I, it's not going to be like a Colby Masvidal. It's going to be like a, I love you, but we got to go do business. You know, let's go both make some money. <laughs> I love it. I, I know it's a fantasy fight right now, but I, I love the, the idea of even thinking about it. So it's nice to hear you're open to it. But like you said, you got to fight. You got to fight now, right? This weekend at hand. Um, did you get a chance to scout much? I mean, did you watch tape? Are you? What, what, what do you think about the matchup? Tell us about it. Yeah, I think Courtney's a game opponent. I think she comes forward a lot. I think she's not afraid to get in there and scrap. Um, she's a little scary because I feel like every fight I watched, she had a smile on her face, which was like, I was like, oh, okay, you're that's you're, you're smiling. Like you're actually smiling. That's scary. Um, <laughs> but I think that, um, you know, she has some jujitsu knowledge that I'm going to have to watch out for. Um, but really again, 
all respect to Courtney. Everyone's tough until you beat them. You got to go in there and do your job. But I'm just focused on me going out there and stealing my will, doing my game plan one step at a time. I'm excited to show the world, I think, how much I've grown as a fighter and how much better I've gotten. Um, and just go out and dominate. It's awesome. Well, I, I know I'm excited for this because it's, you know, it's, it's unexpected. We get to see you when we didn't think we were going to get to see you. It's a new weight class. Um, it shows that you're thinking outside the box and that you're going to experiment with things. So I, I want to ask you, you know, during your 20, 2019 run, you, you had this thing, a goal set is a goal met, right? You used that repeatedly um, and, and, and you got there. So I'm curious. I mean, what are the goals right now? I mean, are, are, are you, do you see the long term? I mean, we just talked about the, you know, the possibility of this fantasy fight with Amanda Nunes, but what, what really is the step-by-step? What do you see in your future right now? Well, right now I'm going to fight um, Friday night. The goal is to go out there and win by KO. You're good. Okay, sorry. Got a phone call. Um, the goal is to go out there and win by TKO, KO, or submission. Um, I'm going to fight one more time before resuming my contractual duties um, with the PFL. Uh, continue to get better, continue to, to win, continue to remain dominant in every form fashion. And, um, you know, I just take it one fight at a time. I, I mean, honestly, my mantra is like, even before I get to the fight or before I get to the goal of being the best in the world, it's, you know, one day at a time. It's one, one training session at a time. It's one, one fight at a time. It's one minute at a time. It's one round at a time. It's one breath at a time. And that's how I take those baby steps. I just take it one step at a time, one breath. That's awesome. So by the way, you, so you're going to fight again one more time. Is that, is that already done? Do you know, uh, do you, like, are you, you have a date circle on a calendar or what, what's, what's the plan? Obviously it depends on what, how things go Friday, but you know, I plan on fighting four times this year. So if they tell me they have a fight for me next week, I'll be like, all right, let's do it. Um, but definitely I think January is the goal is to fight again in January. Nice. And would that be for Invicta as well? Or do you kind of look for other opportunities? Yeah, I think it's going to be for Invicta. I'm not entirely sure. I'm not, um, you know, Ali does, he's the miracle worker with all this stuff. I just show up and fight. Nice. Well, he has a tendency of getting things done. That's for sure. So, well, listen, I think we're excited. Obviously, uh, you know, your path in, in mixed martial arts has been fun to watch so far, and then this will be another chance to do it. So um, how do you see this thing going? I mean, have you played this thing out in your head? Are we going to see some some domination? Is this going to be a grind? Like you said, she's a little nutty in there with a the smile on her face. Are we going to see a battle, or, you, or do you get things done? How does this go? No, I think I'm going to go out there and dominate. I think um, I think people are going to be surprised to see me throw a little more of this fight. I think I'm going to um, – not going to be afraid to stay on my feet. I don't think I'm really in danger anywhere. I think I've got some power now, um, developing my striking. And, um, yeah, I think it's going to be, you know, if all else fails, like I'll shoot a double, obviously. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's nice to have that in your back pocket, you know, <laughs> when in doubt, <laughs> um, but no, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to feel it out. I'm going to just going to, Listen, I got those jitters all over again. It feels like the first time all over again. It's been 11 months. It's been a long time. So who knows what the hell's going to happen? I might get in there and just bull rush and just be like, who knows? But my goal is to go out there, be calm, composed, do a little bit on the feet, feel 
get a feel for what it feels like to really punch somebody in the face with all my might. Um, and not, not be shy, you know, not be a shy, not be afraid to stay in the pocket and, and feel what it feels like to get hit. You know, the goal is to hit and not get hit, but I think it's time for me to, to start becoming an MMA fighter, not just shoot the double. <laughs> All right, Kayla Harrison. So uh, a big fight on Friday night. Of course, that'll also be on UFC Fight Pass. Um, anxious to see that. So, um, okay. So a couple things. First, uh, I appreciate her humoring me with the Amanda Nunes question. Um, I, listen, there's a, a hundred hurdles between now and then, so it's not worth really getting into it. But I like the fact that she's at least willing to to say I I, I could do that. Now, of course, Amanda Nunes is the goat, and I'm not trying to say that Kayla Harrison is ready to take on the goat. But in terms of matchups, like in terms of stylistic matchups, you need power. Uh, she's a specimen. There's no question about. It. She can match an Amanda Nunes in physicality. Um, striking, absolutely not. She would be absolutely outclassed if the fight was on its feet. No question about it. Grappling, uh, Nunes has got some technique, no question. But does she have that same kind of power? Man, you're talking Olympic gold medal judo. She's been grappling her whole life. I, I would I would like to see it. And uh, yes, they're an American top team together. Uh, my understanding is they don't train much, if at all, together. I think Amanda Nunes kind of does mostly her own thing for the most part, and that's not out of disrespect. It's just that when you get to the highest level, you know you're not the, you're, you're not there to to help uh, feed the sharks in the room. You know what I mean? Your camps are developed around you. Things are built around you, and yeah, sure, you come to some classes every now and then, do some group sessions, but when it starts getting into it, you know, it's it's, it's built around you when you're at the very highest level. Um, so I love the fact that they're at least open to it, and that it would be respectful, you know what I mean? That it wouldn't be this hateful stuff, but that, you know, if, it, if we got to it, we'd get to it. So anyway, I like Kayla Harrison, and I am uh, super interested in this Invicta fight. So... All right, listen, let's get to USC 255. Um, and uh, um, I, I want to go back to the boys at Submission Radio because we talked a little bit of, of USC 255 as well and uh, figure, you know what, why not just to share a little bit of that, give them a little bit of shine, give them a little bit of love, um, and, uh, you know, kind of kind of talk about some things that we already talked about so that uh, you don't have to hear me say the same things twice. <laughs> there we go. Let's talk about UFC 255 because in terms of stop out, John, what would you say about this event? I mean, a lot of people are very uh, critical on it, and I guess for good reason. A lot of new names on the card. Some people are saying this is possibly one of the worst UFC pay-per-view lineups we've seen in quite some time. Would you say so? I don't know, man. I, I, I get it. It's hard to criticize because the way you judge is by what's at the top, right? I mean, that's that's what you look at is what's the headliner. That's that's the one. Is that the does it have Conor McGregor? Does it have Habib Nurmagomedov? Does it have Israel Adesanya? Does it have John Jones? You know what I mean? That's what you're looking for, and you don't have that here. To call it the you know the worst pay per view lineup, I, I, I don't know. I'm I mean, listen, I, I understand. I'm one of the, like the most like into the fandom there there is. I like I'm down. I want to see the fight, and I can tell you like I am truly excited. Devison Figueredo is a guy that I love to watch fight, man. From the very beginning, when he first debuted in the UFC, I thought, oh, my God, this dude can be a champ. And the way, as a flyweight, he goes out there and absolutely just finishes people, whether it be through powerful striking, grappling game as well, just in intimidating. Man, I've never seen a, a flyweight that has that kind of intensity uh, and that kind of – man, it's tough. And against Alex Perez, that's an interesting fight. Now, with Valentina Shevchenko – 
I get it. You know, it, it, Jennifer Maya, not many people are giving her much of a chance. I think Valentina is like a 12 to 1 favorite, um, you know, according to the odds makers. And, and I can't argue with that at all. But with Valentina Shevchenko, I almost think about it like in fights I used to like with Demetrius Johnson. You know, Demetrius Johnson, mm. I'll be honest. I didn't pick against him for a long time, uh, but man, I, I, I just, it was an honor to watch the guy fight. I mean, the dude's one of the best martial artists you'll ever see. And I feel like Valentina Shevchenko is that as well. Not just one of the best female mixed martial artists you'll see, just literally one of the best martial artists you'll ever see. So do I really like, like Jennifer Maia's chances? No, I don't like Jennifer Maia's chances in the fight, if I'm being honest with you. But, but I like the fact that, that I get to see Valentina and Shevchenko perform. So for me, I am I am keyed up about those. Now, the difference is I don't have to go off. Well, I don't know. I mean, look, 10 means and Mike Perry should be fantastic. Paul Craig and Shogun Hua, I mean, that's that should be fun. So I don't hate this lineup at all. But do, do I understand people saying, hey, Maybe this is one I don't have the money to, to pay for, especially as we head into the holidays. Totally get it. Maybe this is one where, you know, I normally watch alone, but I'm going to have to, you know, chip in with friends or whatever. Totally get it. I'm not going to sit here and tell you the greatest pay-per-view of all time and make sure you pay 60 bucks and make sure you don't miss it. No. But I will tell you that if, if somebody's telling you it's just horrible and not worth your time at all, I would have to disagree with that. Now, uh, John, speaking of that, uh, Tim Means, Mike Perry fight, we got to get into it because you mentioned it before. It is a fun one indeed. And it's possibly one of the fights that a lot of people are kind of overlooking a little bit on this card. Tim Means, a veteran, a guy that's been in there for a really long time. And Mike Perry um, was able to pick up that win against Mickey Gall and is always sort of uh, in the public side for various reasons. What are you expecting from this matchup? And I mean, what kind of Mike Perry do you think we'll see in there against the crafty veteran like Tim Means? Yeah, that's what's intriguing me. You're right. I, I, you know, whether you want to say it's a pay-per-view level fight or not, I don't see how it's not entertaining. And to me, it's it, it fits in here real nicely, in kind of that third slot on the card. So, um, I think this is a big test uh, for, for for Mike Perry, man. I really do. Tim Means um, does get hit. I mean, Tim Means takes some damage, but the thing is, uh, he takes it and keeps moving. Now, can he do that against Mike Perry? We'll find out. Um, I, I think that's what we're gonna have to see here. Uh, to me, I just. I, this looks like an early candidate for fight of the night. Although, with uh, looking down on the prelims, Brandon Moreno versus Brandon Royval is a ridiculous fight as well. And you don't even have to pay for that one. Uh, so, listen, I think this is a big test for Mike Perry. And just to kind of see, you know, where Mike Perry is at. You know, I mean, uh, you know, this this whole thing with how he's handling his corner and how he's handling his training and the, the direction that he's taking his whole career. And as you said, you know, he's had some, some, some bad days in the news and some things that we've seen behind the scenes in his personal life. So I think it's very intriguing to see how he comes out here and performs, where his head's out, where his focus is at, where his progression is at. Because uh, against Tim Means, if you make a mistake, you'll have to pay for it. And, and I think, you know, Tim Means can, can survive a little bit of that early barrage and, you know, maybe drag you into deep waters if necessary. So um, I, I, I like this. I like this fight a lot, man. I, I think Mike Perry does have what it takes to get it done. Um, but, man, Tim Means, you, you can never count that man out of a fight. Mm. Well, it stays on the feet. It's going to be exciting. <clears throat> and then, of course, we, in the main event, Davison Figueredo defends his title against Alex Perez. Perez, you know, being able to go from the Dana White Contender Series to a title shot in a very short amount of time. But he's had some impressive submission wins, a statement TK over uh, Juicio Formiga. Who do you think is walking away as the champ here? Because this is another one that I know I know is not the, the I know doesn't have the biggest names, but I feel like we are starting to see, you know, the beginning of the legacy of Davis and Figueroa because thus far he's been very exciting. 
Yeah, no, I agree. I, I like. I mean, I, I do believe that Alex Perez probably got rushed here just a little bit, um, but he's here, and it's not that he hasn't shown that he's capable. He's definitely capable. Um, he's well rounded, as you said. He's he's had some some interesting TKO finishes, some great submissions as well. Um, the guy has the skills to get it done. Devison Figueroa is a beast, and that's what I'm kind of intrigued about here is is what happens with Devison Figueroa, man. I I think this guy is an absolute monster. But he's just getting started, and if you're if you're truly great, you got to do it for a while. You got to have longevity, um, you know. And and he's done some great things to get to this point. And he looks like, um, damn, I mean, the, the guy that fought Joseph Benavides looked damn near unbeatable to me. Um, but we'll find out if he can if he can uh, you know kind of deliver on that again. It's as they say, it's easier to become champion than it is to stay champion. Mm. Legend Shogun on the card as well. So stuff to look forward to this weekend. Of course, follow the man at MMA Junkie John. And we'll be waiting for this figurine, John. We can't wait. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, won't be ready by Christmas. I'm sure my girlfriend would love a John Morgan figurine under the tree. Where's my jewelry? You don't need it. You got a John Morgan figurine. But <laughs> alas, we wait for the future. Thank you so much, my friend. Enjoy the fights. So listen, not a lot of not a lot of surprises here, and that's another reason too that I figured you know let's kind of shake it up a little bit, and not just hear my one voice talking by myself, but get to hear those boys in there as well because we know what's going on here. Two flyweight title fights, men's and women's, on the line. As I mentioned there, I am intrigued by them. I like Devison Figueroa, man. I think the guy's a stud. I, I think Alex Perez is no scrub. Uh, also, he came from the CFFC, which is cool. Uh, went through Contender Series and then now USC title shot. I think it's a, a more competitive fight than people want to give it, uh, but. I you think Devison's a master and and again with Valentina man I just think she's one of the greatest mixed martial arts of our generation so to, to watch her compete um you know it's it's like watching Demetrius Johnson man you're not picking the challenger but it sure is nice to watch him compete um and listen you know I, I really they the boys at Submission Radio cut me short and they admitted it afterwards they were like we got some other interviews to do but I can't <laughs> they had to cut me short a little bit uh but I don't blame them one bit I think they were talking to Mark Hunt after me and if you can get Mark Hunt on the phone you don't need to hear John Morgan uh, but I'm really, really intrigued um, by Brandon Moreno versus Brandon Royval. Man, that is a fantastic fight. And, you know, a future contender fight at 125 pounds as well. So I'm really, really, I mean, that to me, and that's on the prelim, so you don't even have to pay for that one. You can get that one free. I get it if people don't want to buy this pay-per-view, man. I totally understand. I think it's going to be exciting, but I know times are tough as well, you know. So if you want to wait a little bit, catch the highlights later. Uh, I think you can watch the fight, what, like 30 days later on, on ESPN+. Plus. Um, I totally understand, but uh, the the prelims that Moreno Royval fight, man, that's legit. I'm I'm excited for that one, dude. I I, I that could have easily been on the main card, um, and I think the only reason it's not on the main card is is because it is a high profile fight. It's going to be exciting. I think that's the one that sells the pay per view, right? Like, um, you know, the the, the you, you always want to have that nice lead into the pay per view. You know that that featured prelim that, that people that are on the fence go, all right, damn it, I'm in. You know, and if, if they have a fight of the night type battle and it's in the flyweight division, so you're like, man, you thought these guys, we've got, we, we, we got the ones that are ranked ahead of them even to, to go. You know, so I think that sells itself. Of course, we get to see the, the return of Joaquin Buckley as well. Uh, Mr. Mister Viral Knockout himself is, is coming back, so we'll see how uh, how that fares. Ariana Lipsky versus Antonina Shevchenko, so you see the Shevchenko sister on there as well. You know, how do, how do they fare with both of them? 
them fighting on the same card in the UFC for the first time. Uh, I'm intrigued by that. So there's some good matchups here. The return of Alan Joban. Uh, always been a fan of Alan Joban. You know, called him it tough enough. Called his first pro fight. Uh, so I've, I've loved watching his career. And, of course, here in the UFC, he's back. Uh, Kyle Dawkins is on the early prelims as well. Kyle Dawkins, another CFFC vet. Love watching CFFC. Uh, continue to make its way up the charts a little bit. So, um, yeah, I'll be there for 255. We'll have full coverage, of course, like I said, and a half over at patreon.com slash the MMA Roadshow. Um, all right, one one uh, other quick thing I want to get to as well. I had a chance to speak to just a moment ago before I started recording this. I had a chance to speak to Derek Brunson. Uh, Derek Brunson has kind of been in limbo, man. He had a great win over Edmund Shabazian early this year, you know, kind of a big upset of, of uh, you know, the young buck. And uh, now he's, uh, he's, he's sitting around waiting for a fight, man. He thought he had fights coming up, and uh, it just hasn't panned out. So I wanted to catch up with him a little bit and see what's going on. And uh, I'll eventually have some content on MMA Junkie as well, but figured, hey, why not share it here first? So here's my conversation from just a little bit earlier today with Derek Brunson. All right, Mr. Derek Brunson joining us. The vet, man, been around the game for a long time. I got to ask you, Derek, 2020, talk to me about it, man. How's it been for you? Because you only got one fight. But it was a heck of a fight, right? You beat this undefeated prospect, and I believe you did get a BMW as well. So that's a good year. But uh, so what's 2020 been like for you, man? How would you describe it overall? Um, 2020 was a little bit of trying for everyone. You know, we had the unpredictable COVID, so like training was a little messed up. Um, we did get a good win um, in August against Shabazian. I was a huge underdog in that fight, but came out the victor. Um, just training as usual, just getting better and better and paying a lot, a lot of attention to my craft. Yeah, no question about it. You talked about kind of being an underdog against the young kid. I mean, I guess you kind of done that a little bit, right? I mean, Ian Heinish might have been a little bit of the same, you know, kind of the young kid that you're facing. I mean, what's it like when you go into those fights? I mean, do you go in with a little bit of a, a chip on your shoulder, like they're trying to push the old man out the game a little bit? Yeah, I do. You know, um, every fight, I see myself as winning and I see myself a clear path to victory and how I see the fight finishing, whether it's really quick or if it's, you know, third round, whatever. I always see myself winning. But, you know, lately I've been put in a position where I had a lot of guys that's been coming up surging and they've been putting me against those guys. And, yeah, I definitely have a chip on my shoulder to go out there and get the job done and show them that, you know, I'm still in the division and, you know, these young, hungry guys – and then above me, you have the the old veterans that's been there for a while. And, you know, that's what I'm, you know, working myself back to those guys. Yeah, no question about it. So so that's what we got to get to, right? Working yourself back to those guys, because it wasn't that long after your last fight. I believe you took the social media and you said, look, I got some fight news coming. We got something going on. You had the hashtag writing on my wrongs tour. Uh, so I'm thinking some rematches or something are in there. And now we're still sitting around waiting, trying to figure out what's going on. So. So help me out here. I mean, we started with we started with Paulo Costa, right? That was the initial target. Uh, right. We had a little bit of we had a little bit of Darren Till in there. Right. Uh, now now I see throwing out the Robert Whitaker name, which is a great matchup as well. So what in the heck is going on that we thought, man, we had a fight lined up, and now we're still sitting around waiting? I don't know. You know, I I just keep getting. Well, it's been a it's been one fight I really been offered, and it's been a guy. You know, Chris Wyman. He's a guy who's ranked ten right now. Um, a good fight. I love that fight, you know, but it's like I was before that fight was offered to me. I was sitting back saying, OK, I fought three guys that was ranked be behind me. I fought all these guys that's ranked ahead of me. And whenever I fought them, I was ranked ahead of them. So now it's like my whole mindset has been I need somebody that's ranked well ahead. of. Well, I'm seven. So it's not 
guys that's like crazy ranked in front of me, you know, but I need somebody that's ranked ahead of me who's surging, who's going to give me the opportunity to put myself in that title talk. You know, whenever I came into the game, I was looking at all the, you know, articles and people who cover the sport that's saying, you know, Derek should definitely challenge for a title in his career, be top five. And I haven't done either one of those. You know, I, I've been top six. Um, I haven't challenged for a title. So that's my goal. You know, I'm only getting, I'm not getting younger, you know, um, I feel I'm getting a lot better, but I'm not getting younger. So that's my goal. And that's what I want to work towards. So I really want somebody, somebody that can elevate me into the title um, picture. So what's the issue, man? I mean, obviously uh, you've, you've been making it public. It's not like you've been hiding behind the scenes. You've been calling them out on social media, letting them know. And of course you got a, you got a great management team that gets things done, man. So what's the holdup? Are these people just turning you down? Are they not interested? What's, what's happening? I don't know. It's weird. It's weird in a simple fact that the UFC have the right to make these fights. You know, I mean, Hermanson Till, I think Till fought twice at 85. He won his first one against Kevin Gaslam. He lost his last one against Robert Whitaker. So at that point, um, Hermanson didn't have a fight. So I was like, cool. Like, this makes perfect sense. You know, seven versus four. Like, we're not far apart in the rankings. You know, it makes perfect sense. So I'm asking for that fight. I'm asking for that fight. And then I'm getting nothing back, you know. And then all of a sudden, um, they book Till and her match. I'm like, what is going on here? Like, these are the fights that I want. You know, I'm not asking for easy fights. I'm asking for guys that's ranked above me so I can have an opportunity to elevate myself. And so then, you know, um, Till get injured, what, like a week ago? And you know, right. before the fight, and then I get a call. Hey, you want the you want Hermanson fight? I'm like, come on, man! Like, I've been doing this all my career. I've been saving cards. I've been fighting guys short notice. I've been fighting guys in their backyard. I've been giving guys opportunity. I need five to six weeks. I need a camp. You know, I need. I don't need. I'm not asking for eight weeks. I'm asking for five to six weeks, ample time to prepare. Like I've asked all for all these guys. I mean, you can go and check on the social media. It's it's out there. Everybody knows. You know, I've been lobbying for these fights. So just give me ample time to prepare. You know, I want I want a big fight, you know. No question. So, I mean, that all seems very fair. So what makes sense for you right now? I mean, uh, we kind of know what the schedule is, right? You know, there's a there's a couple week break. You know, there's a couple more cards, at, at, you know, towards the end of the year. But I'm guessing are, are we are you just ready to push it off to 2021? I mean, is there a, is there a date on the calendar circle? What's what's the plan, I guess, for the rest of the year? Are you ruling yourself out? Uh, when do you want to fight again? Yeah, I, I guess 2021. Because, like I said, I'm really angling for a big fight. Um, I need something that I have a chance to elevate me, you know. Um, I need to put it on the line and and validate my whole career and what I've been training for and ultimately, you know, push to see if I can get in title contention, push to be a top five guy, you know, a guy that's going to put me in the top five, you know, three, four range, you know. Because, like I said, you look at Paula Costa. He was lobbying for a rematch in a title fight against Izzy. He didn't look good in that fight. So when you when you get a title fight and you don't look good, you have to go back to the drawing board. You have to win two or three. So it makes perfect sense for him to come fight at number seven. You know, he's on he's ranked number two or three or something. Three, I believe, you know, the same as, you know, you got Cannoneer. I think he had a little injury. I'll be down for that fight. Um, you got um, Till, huge name. I'll be down for that fight. Robert Whitaker, if. Izzy goes up to 205, that then leaves Robert Whitaker open because um, there won't be another fight for Izzy at 85 until October, November is or August, you know, really late. And then let's say he go wins 205. Who's to say he's even going to fight at 85 again? So 
you know, guys want to fight, and I'm looking for big fights. So, I mean, it's a lot of fights that we can make happen for sure. Yeah, man. Really, all those make sense, the ones that you just laid out. So it's funny, Derek, because you've been in this game for a long time. And you think about it, you got the strike force a year into your career, right? And then you're fighting in the USC for a decade. And, uh, man, it's, you know, it's, I haven't always heard you like super vocal. You know, I feel like you just kind of you know, show up, do your thing. And, and now you're, 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 I won't say you're calling people out, but you're just saying, look, here's what makes sense. Here's why it works. Is, is this kind of like a new philosophy that you're taking at it? Because, I can't, I can't argue with the case you're making there, man, to be honest with you. It's, it's the old wise, man, I guess. I mean, yeah, I'm just – I'm really just trying to get it, you know. Um, I see a lot of guys – it's crazy in the simple fact that with ESPN has been huge for MMA, you have a guy that get one fight in the UFC and he's a superstar. I look at the kid um, Buckley, is that his name? Um, right. He came in his debut, he lost. Then he, he goes and he's spinning kick and wins the next fight. And now, you know, he has a huge following behind him. Like, it's not – it's it's a little bit crazy. You know, I I feel for the UFC, they love it. You know, they they post it. They hype it up. They post as much as possible. And it builds his brand. So, I just need – I need a big fight, you know, that's really going to elevate myself. You know, um, I don't do this – I'm not doing this for – Per se, it's not a it's not a money thing. A lot of people people think, oh, if you go get this big fight, you get more money. No, it's the same. You have a contract. So, but I'm trying to elevate myself. I'm trying to maximize and get the most out of my career. Yeah, no doubt about it, man. That's a smart play. I will say, in Buckley's uh, defense, that was a really nice kick. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it was a nice kick. <laughs> you, know, uh, and, you know, nothing take nothing away from him, but it's like, but in all fairness. Is the UFC they love to they market it market it, but if you have two high level guys, that's less less likely to have, happen because two right. guys in the game the reflexes are good. The guys have a lot of skill sets. You know, you have two green guys. You know, you're gonna get crazy fights. Most of the crazy highlights are like that I'm seeing on ESPN, MMA, all over or outside the UFC or like guys with a few fights. You know, those guys. I mean. When you have green guys, green stuff is going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Well, listen, I can't argue, man. The names you're asking for, Costa, Till, Whitaker, Cannonier, I mean, those are all monsters. So you're not asking for easy fights, man. You're right. asking for the best. So I can't argue with that. Let me let me ask you. I mean, you said it. You've been around for a while, man. I mean, I'm definitely not trying to rush you out, man. You're performing at a high level right now. But have you started to kind of figure out how long this career is going to run? I I, I ask because I look at like Anderson Silva. I mean, he's forty-five. So if that's the case, you still got another decade in this game. But have you started to kind of kind of look at the end at all? No, so I, I haven't. Um, Anderson is it's funny because Anderson is so good, and it's like that fight with Hall. Before he said, you know, I think it's gonna be my last fight, but we'll see. And then after the fight, or or leading up, most of the time he's like, yeah, this is definitely my last fight. And after the fight, he's like, this is my last fight. And then after after doing interviews, he's like, well, we'll see because I guess he look at exactly what I've been seeing. Like he looks so good and he's so good, but it's some of the things he tried to do that he did when he was younger that he just don't have that same speed that get him in a little bit of trouble. Like he was winning the second round and he got clipped with like 30 seconds left and it swung that round. Like it was a close round, but he was definitely in control. But when he got dropped, and, you know, punched on a little bit, Hall definitely won the round. So it's like, man, I, I can understand his struggle. It's like it's so tough for him because he was doing so good and he looked so good and he got such a high skill set. 
but yeah, no, I, I haven't, whenever I'm not performing well, then that's going to be it. You know, um, I'm smart with my money. I saved up my money. I made a lot of investments. Um, so yeah, whenever I'm not performing well, I'm out of there, you know, um, just chilling, focus on the next generation, hanging out with the family, doing, um, youth sports and stuff like that. But no, I'm still performing well. I'm getting better. Um, I would say the only thing with getting older is your body start getting tighter. So you just got to stretch more. It's like simple stuff, you know, <laughs> so simple, simple, you know? Yeah, no doubt, man. Well, that's awesome. Well, like I said, I'm not trying to rush you out, but I just, as, as people are in their mid thirties, I start wondering kind of what the exit plan is, but it right, sounds right. like you're well off, man. So we'll talk to you, man. Like you said, 2020, I'm sure you would have liked to fight more. You got the one good fight in. You did get the BMW, so that's a good thing. But yeah. 2021, lay it out, man. I mean, you're calling out these big names. I mean, how many times do you want to fight? And, and, and you're saying, I want this top five. I want title contention. I mean, is next year the year it gets done? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, like I said, I'm lobbying hard for a top five. And I think we're eventually going to get something done because maybe I'll just sit until I get a big fight. I mean, who has ever – just ask, ask for a big fight. Like guys are really lobbying for other fights. I'm asking for a big fight, you know, and it's not, it's not a title shot. It's a fight to put me in that, you know, and there's a lot of guys ahead of there were there's six guys ahead of me. So, um, yeah, 2021 is going to be a big year. My next fight, I'm going to put a lot into the camp and I'm going to work really hard. So whoever that opponent, whoever signed, I, I don't think anybody is so eager to sign being how I've looked in the past couple fights. And I'm really going to invest a lot of hard work and a lot of dedication to my next camp to make sure that I maximize that fight and look good. So, um, yeah, I mean, like I said, that's probably the reason guys aren't signing up, but I think eventually we're going to get somebody and 2021 is going to be a big year. Um, looking at fighting the top five and then probably, looking good in that fight and next fight at title shot. Much respect, man. Well, you're uh, you're willing to put, you know, your money where your mouth is, as I said. You're not asking for anything easy. You're asking for the toughest fights in the division. So I don't see how anybody can't respect that, man. So we'll, we'll be paying attention. Hopefully you get some fight news soon, and uh, we'll definitely talk again when that fight gets booked, man. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Derek. Always appreciate it, brother. All right, later. Listen, man, it's hard to argue with Derek Brunson. I respect his position, man. The guy's been in the game for so long, and 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 now the you know he wants to capitalize on this on this you know last stage of his career, and I dig it. And I get I always hate, I feel like I'm bad like rushing people out the door. I'm not trying to rub, but but you kind of know what's the end game, what's the plan. Um, now I will say, and I was going to ask him, and he kind of volunteered it. You know, had he volunteered to step, he's looking for a big fight. Had he volunteered to step in for that uh, Jack Hermanson fight when when Darren Till fell out, and and he said, look, the phone rang, and um. But just too short a notice. I, I want a real camp, and it's fair. I mean, listen, it's not the easiest way to get the fights you want. You know what I mean? The UFC loves it when they got people that like they, they know will answer whatever. But he's also at a point now where he's earned the right to say, "Nah, I can't do it on two weeks." You know, you, when you're young, you can take some chances, and if it doesn't pay off. You got time to make it up. You know, when you're in your mid 30s and you know there's not a ton of time left, you've been around the game for a long time, you know, you make a mistake and jump in when you shouldn't jump in, and maybe all of a sudden that opportunity doesn't come around anymore. Um, so I can sympathize with him. It would have been, um, you know, it would have been a good part for him to step in because I think that, you know, 
you step in on short notice, you know, you beat the young kid, then you step in on short notice and beat another contender. Yeah, maybe now you're in the driver's seat. But at the same time, you know, when you look at the names he's asking for, he's not asking for scrubs, man. He's asking for absolute monsters. So I kind of sympathize with him there. So we'll see what happens with Derek Brunson. I'll have that content up on MMA Junkie in the next couple of days. But um, we basically had a rescheduled interview, and this was the only time he could do it. So uh, I said, you know what? Yeah, I'm not technically working on MMA Junkie today, but I'll do the interview. <laughs> and we'll use it for the road show as well. So anyway, listen, uh, always appreciate you putting up with my voice when I'm rolling solo, uh, doing it on the road. Again, one of these days I will get Mr. CM Punk on here as well. Um, but our schedules just didn't line up today. Punk's napping right now. He takes a nap before the shows. <laughs> That's how straight edge he is, man. <laughs> Doesn't drink and gets naps during the afternoon before work, which is honestly probably the reason, you know, he's much healthier than I am. <laughs> I drink way more and I don't take many naps. <laughs> so maybe I'll listen to CM Punk. Now. Maybe CM Punk will launch a podcast and I can I can follow his schedule. Uh, but anyway, but we will get together on one of these ones upcoming. Uh, it looks like we're going to have a couple shows in December as well. And I don't know what our 2021 schedule is going to look like just yet. They're finalizing all that. Um, but I think we're going to do two shows again in December. So maybe it'll line up then. Who knows? We'll see. But well, we'll get them at some point. In the meantime, i got to uh, get this done. I'm going to send it over to Cold Coffee for editing. So shout out to Cold Coffee for putting in the grind. Not only is he covering me at UFC 255 pre-fight activities, um, but he's also going to, of course, edit this podcast and put it all together. So thank you to Mr. Cold Coffee. And, of course, uh, to everybody else, thanks for listening. 